Welcome to Cardiology, everybody. We are back uh, here to talk about yet another Browns loss. Um, I think everybody taking it a little hard. Um, you know, there were some very big bright spots to this game, but there were also really big heartbreaks happening in it as well. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about what happened um, in this game against Baltimore. We're going to dissect it, analyze it, um, but then we're also going to move on to a big, huge Monday night matchup against Cincinnati and what we need to see out of the Browns and what's going to be happening. Um, and throughout the way, we're going to do some of our usual touch base on some of the things that are happening in the NFL. Um, and also um, we will do our everyone's favorite pick segment later on in the show. But for right now, let's welcome in um, our co-host this week. We are back in our rotation. So Sean Donovan is with us. Hey, Sean, how are you? Mark, I am. Uh, I've put the sword down. I'm not going to commit Harry Carey right now. I'm just yeah. looking forward to Monday night and shutting the Bengals out when uh, they come trick or treating. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a scary game all the way around, right? You got the <laughs> Halloween game, um, all the orange, orange, brown, black teams playing right. together uh, Monday night. Um, so it is, it is such a big thing. And, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people in the Browns universe are just a little stunned. I don't know that I'm surprised and, and I can't say I'm surprised because last week as we went through picks and stuff, I was expecting worse. I was expecting a worse outing because I felt like I hadn't seen anything from the Browns, but that being said, this still was another game that, that was within reach. Mm -hmm. So and, you know, for anybody who was under a rock, um, you know, the Browns took a loss 23 to 20 to Baltimore. Um, and I think that this was a game that the Browns were in uh, all game. Um, oh, absolutely. Was, this was a game that saw probably um, the best defensive effort we've seen all year and the most, the closest to mistake free um, football from the offense. Um, yeah. What we didn't see was the points that we, we really needed out of the offense. And then, you know, the late game execution. Um, yeah. So, you know, before I get into some of the things that I'm thinking about, you know, Sean, what are some of the things that you saw that really kind of jumped out at you during that game? Well, you know, like you said, the defense was just, it was probably their best effort of the season. I mean, when you can hold um, the entire Baltimore offense to 160 yards rushing, including Lamar Jackson, and then you can also hold him to only 120 yards passing, that's a pretty good day. I mean, Mark Andrews was silent. The yeah. only action he had was the four-yard pass he threw to Jackson. And it's just, it came down to time of possession like it always has for us. You know, the defense is on the field too long and they got gassed. Yep. Um, yep. You know, Baltimore had it for 34 minutes and that only leaves 26 minutes for our offense. So it was just, it was too many three and outs. You know, we had some great beginning drives and then for some reason something happened. It just stopped. And no, I, I agree with you. It boggles my mind. Yeah. It, I mean, it was the, it was the best the defenses has played, but you know, the underlying thing is, so what, you know, they, they played. Um, I thought they had a great first half. Um, cutting some of those um, big drives, great field position that Baltimore had, keeping them to field goals to start the game was a big piece of keeping in this game. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the coverage of Lamar Jackson. I thought um, the team did great um, squaring up and facing the challenge of Lamar. And specifically, um, JOK played a heck of a game shadowing him. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think you saw that's, that's why you drafted JOK, right? For mm -hmm. that athleticism in the middle and probably with an eye for that particular game, for that particular matchup, being able mm -hmm. to stop and shadow a running quarterback like that. So I thought that went really well. You called out the, the coverage of, of Andrews was incredible. Right. Um, that's a guy who's taking it to everybody. Right. Top um, tight end in the league. Yeah. And so you held him. Um, so that was really good. So I don't necessarily think that the defense gave up anything that was jarring. Now I do, I, I do question and I know out in the um, Twitter verse, there's a lot of people picking apart the play of our safeties. 
Um, there's uh, a run, one of one of Gus Edwards runs into the end zone for a touchdown. A lot of people mm-hmm. are highlighting that it really just looks like John Johnson just didn't want to tackle anybody and just right. pulled up and let him go in. And then, you know, when there was a big play given up, damned if it wasn't always Delpit mm-hmm. around there. So I, you know, I think that we still have a question mark in the safety area. Um, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of different analysts. Some people are telling me that when you think you see that John Johnson has blown an assignment, it's because he's covering another blown assignment. Mm-hmm. And so he's out of position because of that. I don't know. I don't hmm. know enough about it. But what I would say is, if that is the case, if John Johnson's mistakes are because he's covering for the mistakes of others, right? and I watched Delpit make mistakes, why am I watching Delpit? Why, right. what, enough already. Right. So, so that is a question that I have. I really feel like um, they really need to evaluate what's going on there um, and what's happening. I mean, um, you made Anthony Schwartz a healthy scratch last week to show, yeah. you know, so we'll do it with Delpit, you know? Yeah. You're sitting I mean, down because we're not getting what we thought we would out of you. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I think, I don't think anybody's crying tears over Anthony Schwartz sitting on the bench now. And, <laughs> and, and I don't know, I don't know what the future even holds for Schwartz. Um, but the reality is, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why we should, shouldn't be sitting um, some people. Uh, I talked about it a little bit last episode. Um, D'Anthony Bell, he made the team mm-hmm. for being a playmaker during the preseason, being a ball hawk, getting in there, hitting people. So if that's why he made the team, why aren't we letting him try? Right. You know, I, so I, I would like to see more out of that. I think, you know, especially going into Cincinnati where how we defend the pass game is going to be huge. Oh, yeah. Um, and right now, as of this recording, uh, we still don't have Denzel Ward right. in the concussion so, protocol. So you are going to be without Denzel Ward. So the question is going to be, can this secondary um, put together another strong performance against a much better passing team? Right. Um, anything else that you kind of that you targeted or hit upon as you, you were know- looking at everything? This is kind of crazy, and I, I, I did my homework, and I, I made sure, but the Browns are 2-0 and when Nick Chubb touches has over 20 touches in a game, which means we're 0-5 when he doesn't get 20 touches or more. Um, and the craziest thing about this, and we've talked about this before, the Browns are the number one rushing team. They have had almost 200 rushing attempts this season, and – I'm just trying to figure out, and you alluded to it, you know, when we've been texting and everything that, you know, Kareem Hunt is getting some of those rushing attempts, but for some reason it's just not working. Mm -hmm. So is it just, is it just, we need to trust Nick more and get him the ball more or do we want, are we trying to make sure he doesn't get hurt? Right. Need him to, we need him for the long haul. So we're going to have him sit a couple of, yeah, you know, some series. I, I'm just, I'm curious about it. And I saw I, this on, uh, on Twitter, your buddy, Eric Metcalf mm-hmm. uh, from the draft. He tweeted twice uh, over the past 24 hours. The bears are beating the hell out of the Patriots because thus far they have run the ball 42 times for 241 yards. We passed 45 times and only rushed it 16 times. Someone help me understand. Okay, so so a couple things there. So the one thing that I would call out to Eric's comment, though, is um, that's not taking into consideration the number of times Justin Fields runs the ball. No. Justin Fields is a that's running quarterback. Um, so, you know, those are technically rushing attempts, even though they are much Plus different place, type yeah. of running game. So that's so that particular comparison, I don't think is apples to apples. Now, I do think it comes down to the phrase, you know, to run or not to run, you know, that's, that's really the question on every Browns fans mind. And mm-hmm. I think that I've seen a lot of comments too, about the number of touches, the number of times we give it, you know, you mentioned we're the number one rushing team. We are also number one in attempts by a running back. 
So the, so the reality is for all the other teams, if you look at the top, I think basically the top six teams in rushing, if in the top, top six teams in offense, that those teams all have running quarterbacks, except for us. So even down to, if you go look, um, the only other team that's even close to us is the Giants um, with Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. But then you go down and you look, who is the second person running the ball? In New York, it's, Daniel it's Daniel Jones by a lot. And yeah. then the next person who's getting those carries has something like 22 carries. Kareem Hunt has 66 touches and 66 mm-hmm. carries. So he is a significant part of a running game that is supposed to be the best running game. And we've, and we've been talking about the idea that we have two number one running backs. I'm not, I'm not necessarily seeing that. Now, Kevin Stefanski did come out on one of the few times that he actually called out some particular plays or particular groups. When asked about the effectiveness of Kareem Hunt's carries, his response was, those plays were there. The blocking was not. Mm-hmm. So on some level, he, he feels like we're not blocking appropriately when Kareem is in versus when Nick is in. And I, and I know Nick Chubb is everybody's hero, right? Uh, we all love him. And, yeah. and he does, when he goes out and he does what he does, we're, we're super happy. But, but I also think that it clouds our minds a little bit about situational running what's happening in the game, mm-hmm. whether the passing game is being covered versus the running game, how much the passing game might give to the running game. Um, but then you, you alluded to it. This is, this is your bell cow back, who by far is the most important person on your team. Right. Can you, with any types of aspirations for the year, afford to run him into the ground? Because right. there's nobody. So even if you even if you believe that Deshaun Watson's going to show up and be a superstar right off the get-go, that's not happening for a while. Right. So you still need Nick Chubb every single game. So, and there are things that Nick Chubb doesn't do well. He doesn't pass protect well. I don't want him to pass protect well. No. I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need him getting hurt blocking some 300-some pound guy. I don't, I don't right. need it. That's what I've got Kareem Hunt for. And a lot of people are upset that, you know, we're at the end of the game, two minute drills, you know, fourth down situations and Nick Chubb isn't in the game. You also have to look at the scoreboard. You have to understand that when you're down two scores, selling out for the run is not only is not going to get you those two scores, but it's going to run down the clock and keep you from having anything left. So um, I think everybody in Cleveland is talking about what, what really is, you know, the key series or the key play of the game. And that is, you know, a lot of people talking about why with 224 left in the fourth quarter, it's third and two on the Baltimore 34. We're driving. We're looking for the field goal Mm -hmm. um, to tie it up. And on third and two, we call a pass play. We call a 34-yard touchdown pass to Amari Cooper. Right. Now that touchdown pass gets negated for offensive pass interference on Cooper, which then takes us from being at the 34, takes us back 15 yards. So every, or, and everybody's up in arms. What are you doing? Third and two, why aren't you just running the ball, getting down the field, getting more field position? I think we're overlooking the fact that that for situational football, which we, we claim we really don't think Stefanski's good at, right. for situational football, that was two down territory. He's hoping to take a chance to put us up by a touchdown, which, which would have given us a four-point lead, would have taken Justin Tucker from Baltimore out as a weapon. Right. It's totally situational. So, he, so he, he's looking at that. But also, as a coach, he's thinking, worst case, this is in, incomplete. Right. And then I've got a fourth and two. And if I really want to run it again, I can run it. However... I also have this rookie kicker with a big leg who's supposed to be able to make this kick. Right. So even in the post games, as people asked Amari Cooper, hey, are you surprised they called that pass interference? Amari Cooper said, no, I'm not surprised. No. I'm a veteran. I know you can't do that. I had him by a step. I didn't need to do that. Right. So Stefanski called up the right play. 
You had single coverage, one safety over, called up the right play, could have been the game. Didn't work out. But then you come back and you line up for the field goal and you have this phantom <laughs> offsides call, it's which just, just, you know, drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. That and this they got Gene Sterator on, uh, on CBS trying to explain, well, they called it on him because he moved a little bit and he's the third guy down the line. And if somebody else moves and I'm like, come on, man, no way. Come on. You're just, you're, you're back in, you're back in your old team with the refs. There's that is total. It was total bogus. Everybody who's ever played football knows the defense jumps into the neutral zone period. They're in the neutral zone and you flinch. It's on them. Right. Let alone they jump into the neutral zone and actually hit somebody. Right. So just nuts. So it goes back five yards, which, by the way, was all, ter- all told with the penalty and then everything before that offsides call. We had only lost two yards on right. that penalty because we had the big scramble from Brissett to get us back in it. So we'd only lost two yards right. on that whole pass interference. Um, but we go back another five yards. Now we have a kick that goes and gets blocked and that's our ball game right Right. there. So I think for me in that situation, um, I don't really have a problem with how the plays were called. Um, I think you have to be understand that players have to execute and even Amari Cooper, a veteran will tell you didn't need to do it. If I didn't do that, it's the game's over. And, and so I can't, you know, it's, it's completely Monday morning quarterbacking to say, oh, well, we should have run the ball there. Well, crap. Every time a pass is incomplete and doesn't get caught, you should have run the ball. And every time you run the ball and you get stuffed, you should have passed it. Right. I mean, that's, that's silly. They, They took advantage of a, of a lineup and a setup that was right there for the taking, um, that, we would have been screaming if they hadn't taken advantage of. So, you know, so that's, you know, that's one of the big things is I just think that, you know, coming out of this game, you know, it's, it's pathetic to say, cause I don't like this phrase, but it's, it's kind of true in this one. This, this is the game where they played the best ball that I've seen them play in any of these losses. I don't have a lot of nitpicking to do. Yeah, I still have game. my wounds from the other games and my general just discomfort with how the overall defense is and how this team is gelling in general. Mm-hmm. But with this game, I think what just really stings is you have now spotted, you spotted Baltimore a couple games in the division. You have fallen back. Um, you're basically in the world with the Steelers and you're staring up at, Baltimore, who still I don't think has put together a complete game. No. But Cincinnati, who seems to be coming out yeah, and, they're, and they're getting rolling. So before we before we even talk about Cincinnati a little bit, let's 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 talk a little bit about some of the other um things that are happening amongst the NFL um and just some of the other things you might be seeing. So trades. Um, trades, right? So coming so, up to the trade deadline on uh November first. Right. Major ones coming out of Carolina. Oh, that was, I mean, I, I was, I don't know. There've been a lot of rumblings about McCaffrey getting traded. Um, Was surprised that it got happened. I was surprised that basically the Panthers folded up, looked like they were folding up their season that quickly. Right. Um, But at the same token, they got, they got a pretty decent call for McCaffrey considering some of the other things that were about to come down the pike this week with injuries and different stuff. So, um, you know, the story with McCaffrey has always been his health. It's Mm -hmm. never been about his talent. So a healthy McCaffrey in San Francisco makes that just the most blow open wide, fast offense around, but a healthy McCaffrey does that. So you'll have to see what happens. You have to see what it's going. So, so I think it was a good move for San Francisco the funny part is then Carolina rallied and had a great game and won a game with a backup quarterback right. after letting McCaffrey go. So good out of them and good out of their interim coach for doing that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's pretty much just injuries. You know, we, we got hit hard 
with injuries this past week. You know, Wyatt Teller is still questionable with the calf strain. Uh, Denzel Ward, like we said, is in uh, concussion protocol. Uh, Isaac Rochelle is questionable, and so is Joe Haig on the offensive line. Jacob Phillips is now out for the season with a pec injury. They're mm -hmm. saying there is a very small chance he could come back at the end of the season. Pharaoh Brown is in concussion protocol, so there's a tight end down. And then the Chief is week-to-week mm -hmm. -week with a high ankle sprain. That's probably – that's going to be at least four weeks if I had to guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, on the plus side, he is going to get the bye week to help with some of that process right? Um, and focus solely on rehab as opposed to practice. But, um, yeah, that that is a huge loss. I mean, all, all of these add up to different things. Um, you know, I hate to see um, Phillips get hurt and be out for the season, but I will also say that Phillips was driving me nuts. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want anybody to be hurt. Right. But I do think that I still want to see more um, Deion Jones with another week under his belt. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw, like I said, we saw a big game out of JOK. Uh, yeah. Taki Taki had a good game. He did. So, so hopefully um, we continue on that level. But yeah, a lot of the, a lot of our linemen, backup linemen, you know, and that's another piece people don't talk about. We talk about that you were worried about the touches Nick Chubb's getting. Um, Wyatt Teller is a big part of that running. Oh yeah. Um, and being able to run to that side of the ball. Um, and you're not getting the same out of role. No, absolutely. So, so the reality is that's situational as well. You don't have your big dogs up front. So yeah, the injuries are big. You know, as we come into this game, I mean, the trade deadline is the day after the Monday night game. I think you're going to see a lot. I think uh, we're going to get a lot of visibility as to what the Browns really see as ha the rest of the season playing out as and what they maybe their overall strategy since the beginning of the summer has mm -hmm. been. Um, because, you know, do you see uh, a result on Monday and some bodies flying out of Berea on on the next morning. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting um, to see how that goes. Um, you know, with any situation with trades, you got to have a partner, you got to have someone who wants what you're given. Willing to, so, yeah. so that'll be interesting to see. Do you think there's um, a tight end out there that we could somehow snag? I don't know. I don't know that there is anybody I haven't seen anything pop up. What's Jimmy Graham doing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what he's doing at all. I, I, so I, I think, honestly, you probably don't want to make a move until you absolutely know what's going on with Farrell Brown because Farrell Brown has played with us before in our offense yeah. and has played the role of the second tight end as opposed to the first. Right. I think how he comes out of concussion protocol might might drive that a little bit, whether you see some an extra body. Also, too, uh, we've been playing two tight end sets um, at different times, but a lot of times we've been going with this extra lineman right. as a tight end thing. So, um, so I don't know. I don't know how important it is, um, as we saw before. Um, you know, this is going to be Bryant's turn. You know what? Yeah. At he's times he's shown a lot of stuff. Um, this is his best chance to shine when he already knows that Njoku's got the big contract. So this is his big chance to kind of step up and show us something, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Well, other than that, I just think the, the overall tenor of the NFL is that big dogs just keep running. Um, yeah. And the rest of the league just is a mystery. The teams that are way out front, a lot of them had bye weeks. Um, so they didn't play. So they got a chance to rest. But also, too, just some up-and-comers. You mentioned it two weeks ago, but the Jets. Yeah. Uh, they are just playing out of their mind. Unfortunately, they're going to have to try to figure it out now because they lost their rookie sensation running back to yeah. an ACL. Um, now, they did trade for James Robinson out of Jacksonville. Right. Um, who, is, who has had spurts of being a very productive running back, even yeah. in oh, years yeah. where Jacksonville didn't have an offense at all. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits and, and hopefully helps them in their continuing run. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this, the way everything is laying out for those who might have been holding out hope 
that the Browns will rally and pull the second wild card spot or the extra wild card spot out. I think you got to come to reality and realize that if you should even be considering the playoffs with this team right now, it's the division or it's nothing. Right. You got to, you got to win the division. There's no other way. There's no other path that makes sense because the AFC North just does not look like the division that we all thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that the second wild card comes out of there at all. Yeah. Well, with that, we're going to take our customary break here. We're going to um, hear a little bit from our sponsors, but um, when we come back, we're going to spend some time really focused in on the Cincinnati game. What do we see are the keys to the game? How do we need to go? We'll get a couple picks in for the week and then we'll get ready for this huge Monday night showdown. So um, we'll catch you on the other side of this break. Hey everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder-coated wood garage cabinets, CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CB's has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology, everybody. So it's time to start thinking about the next game on our schedule, which is the Monday night matchup versus Cincinnati. Bright lights, big game, an opportunity for the Browns to try to get back out of this slump. I think that there's there's a lot of interesting storylines coming out of this game and things that we're going to see from it. Um, Sean, is, is there anything in particular that kind of stands out to you that you're thinking about going into this game? The main thing, and I say it every time I'm on here, and I say it every time we text during a game, run the ball, Kevin. You have two of the best running backs in the league. You got to give it to them, you know, and mix it up, you know, put them both on the field. Hell, throw Dearness Johnson in there too. And they don't, the defense will have no clue where the ball is going, you know, just, I'm not necessarily saying trickery or anything like that, trick gimmick plays, but if if they're looking at three massive offensive weapons, that's going to make them double. That's going to give them a double take and try and figure out, okay, where, what do we do now? Well, and I and I think so. From my perspective, it's 
get in front. Yeah. Get in front. Dictate the pace of the game. When we were strong on Sunday was when we had shut down the two drives, made them kick field goals, and we had driven down in our first drive for a touchdown. We were ahead in the game. We could completely eat up clock, and we did in the Mm -hmm. first half. Just churning, churning the ball. It's when this team gets down by two scores. I think we all have to be um, aware of what our team really is. We do not have a quarterback who is going to win the game on his arms alone. The best the quarterback is going to be able to do for us is what he did this past game, which is try not to make many mistakes and keep the ball moving. Um, You've got to ask everybody to play smart. They have to be disciplined and they got to be focused. Yeah. Um, And, and I think, yes, you, if, if you are in the lead, I don't care if you're in the lead by a point, three points, how much time is on the clock? If you're not running the ball, you're, you're, you're just, that's just stupid. And, and I, you know, the only credit that I give and the only caveat that I have is that I have seen lately that when Kevin is pulling off the run, it's when he's down by a couple scores and he's got to score quick. Um, And so, you know, that's a tough position to be in, but we'll have to keep seeing how that goes. Um, I am looking at this, you know, this Cincinnati game, um, this is another one where we got to go in and we got to be able to stop the pass. Yeah. Um, With this offense, absolutely. So my my question is, are we going to be able to stop the pass in in an effective manner or are we going to have another San Diego debacle on our hands where we stop the pass of a a high-powered quarterback and let the team just run all over us? All over us. Um, yeah. And Joe Mixon has all the talent in the world to, to make us pay if we do that. You think if you think Austin Eckler took advantage of us, Joe mm-hmm. Mixon's just waiting right. to have that breakout game. So um, Cincinnati is on the upswing. I mean, they had a great game last week. Uh, Joe Burrow had just outrageous numbers. 500 he, total yards. Yeah, he Rushing and Jamar Chase just, yeah. I mean – gosh they're they're just such a great matchup and you know we're gonna hate them for years to come right but but the but the key is going to be to stop that passing game and that's what the key was last year when we when we did well in both games against Cincinnati it was about stopping the pass Mm -hmm. now we had Denzel Ward for one of those games doing locking down Jamar Chase so um how does that look when it's Emerson and Newsom in the game it's right. going to be a huge test for them. Um, again, we're still waiting to see if Ward will be back. Um, but, you know, I think it's I think it's safe to assume he won't. So, you know, what is this defense going to do? And for God's sake, the safety's got to figure it out. You yeah. got you to figure out whatever's going on, whoever's covering, whoever else's mistakes, whoever's making mistakes, just enough already. Right. Um, so... I think how we defend the pass is pretty much everything in this um, and our ability, I guess, to defend the pass without completely forgetting about everything else on the field. Uh, I think it, I think it'll be very telling, you know, if we can have Clowney and miles on the line and because obviously when they're both there, it's just, it's worlds apart from Mm -hmm. when one of them is out. Yep. No, I think so, it's very you know, different. Alex got, Wright had a really good game this last week, yeah, um, which is great. But um, Clowney's calling card is against the run. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is physical and athletic enough that you just can't ignore him on the rush either. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's not a category that Alex Wright or any of the other guys are in. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe they'll develop. That would be great. But yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think getting the health of both those guys and getting them out there. Um, I mean, once again, Miles gave you all he had, mm-hmm. um, had a really good game. He was in it and, yeah. and made some big plays even with his injuries. Um, so the support he gets there, the defensive line looked better. I, yeah. I, I was in here. I basically called them a bunch of losers last week. Um, and 
you know, up to that point, they had been, they, they did get some pressure and they did get in. They got to be able to do that against Cincinnati. Um, You know, there's no reason why Joe Burrow should run scramble on you more than Lamar Jackson. So it's the passing it's collapse in the pocket. You got to get him. You got to hit him, you know, first couple weeks of the year, Cincinnati wasn't stopping anybody from selling Joe Burrow. So it's there. You can get in there and you can get to him, but you got to get that pressure up front and you got to have the coverage on the back end to allow that pressure to get home. So, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. The defensive ends and their health and how they play, um, will be a big piece in the overall structure of how the defense does as they get into this game. Also along with this, as we're looking for other keys that might come into this, I just, um, I want the offense to continue to play within itself. Um, I think we have seen the maximum that Jacoby Brissett can give you. I think we've had a hard time as a fan base coming to terms with the fact that that is the maximum that Jacoby Brissett is going to be able to give us. He is, he has never been a true Deshaun Watson replacement. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's given you some good games He's giving you some mistake-free games. He's giving you, he's giving you some head scratchers. Um, but I think the key, just like you said with the running game, is we got to get ahead. Got to get ahead. Got to take the time off the clock. Take the pressure off of Jacoby. Right. He's not going to have Njoku as a escape valve. Um, so get the pressure off of him. Have everybody get the eight people in the box. Get them ready to stop Chubb. And yeah, I, I'd be okay. This is a game where if, if Nick Chubb runs the ball over, over your 18 carry number from your 20. stat, yeah, tw- tw- was it 20 or 18? 20, 20. So if, if he gets the touches over 20, I would say if he still is only getting you like 50 yards out of there, what that should tell me is that there should be passes open and things happening that they're mm-hmm. selling out to stop the run. And we should at least have some intermediate passing available to us. Right. So let's, let's see if we can pull that off. Let's see if we can get um, David Cooper Bell. more, more touches, but also too, can we see more of David Bell? He, he, he peaked out a little bit this right. last game. Right. Um, I'd love to see more. Um, and without Njoku, there may very well be more. And um and I continue to be happy with DPJ. I actually think oh, yeah. that that he, um, you know, he's fitting in into what's happening. People yeah. who might say that he's not having a great year. Again, if your focus is to run the ball and you want him to run the ball more, he's not going to have much better of a year than he's got right now. Nope. He's the second wide receiver on a running team. So what he is giving you that I'm seeing is that he's focused. So when the ball is coming to him, He's there and he's right. in the moment, which is something we haven't seen in a while. So, so I'm, I'm looking for that. Um, any last thoughts or, or keys that you have for this particular game? You know, defense, like we said, build on what you did last week. And you're just going to have to be good on every aspect of the ball and eat up that clock, you know. Yeah. Don't let our defense get gassed because you're so busy. You're doing three and outs every time you go up. Absolutely. Possession, 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 and, and get the lead and keep it is, is I think the key. All right. Well, that kind of gives you some of the keys that we see going into Cincinnati. Um, one thing that I do see that I, that I think comes out of Cincinnati as well is that I, I think that how we, the result we deliver in this game and our reaction to that result from the front office, from the ownership is going to give you a big indicator of what the overall strategy was for the Browns for 2022 into 2023 from the get-go from back in the summer. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back and we do our, our final picks for the game coming forward. But it is time for us to go out to our picks master. Mr. Gary Marr, who is calling in once again, always on the road, always busy. 
Um, Gary, what have you got on the slate for us? What can we expect out of some of these games in the NFL? Well, Mark, similar to last week, it seems like we can expect some blowouts, but uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but, but there are some mismatches this week for sure. Okay, well, with that, let's go ahead and get into it. What do you got for our first game that we're going to be picking this week? The first game is the one that's going to come up first, which is Ravens at Tampa Bay. And uh, that's it's almost a, almost a toss-up, but Tampa Bay's minus one going into this one, um, which I'm kind of surprised at, really. I thought Ravens would be, be kind of uh, more of the favorite going into this thing with the way Tampa's been playing lately. Uh, but when you look at the, the past, I mean, Brady has been good at home. Uh, he loves Thursday night football, but the team has not been playing well lately. Uh, the Ravens have been. Um, I just think uh, that's going to be too much for them. I think Tampa right now is just trying to find themselves, and I just don't think they're going to do it in this game. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to agree with you. I I have said multiple weeks now that I'm waiting for Baltimore to completely show up, and I think that they haven't really put together a complete game yet. but. I have just not seen a whole lot of Tampa, out of Tampa Bay at all. Um, they do not seem like the same team. And with such a close margin, I, I'm going Baltimore as well. Well, the coin is going to go opposite both of us. It's going with Tampa Bay. Well, the coin doesn't always know everything. <laughs> all right. What do we got for our second game? Second game are the Steelers at the Eagles. Uh, and this is one of those uh, supposed mismatches. The Eagles are favored by 10 and a half points. Uh, so another huge point spread there. Um, and there's some good reason that Eagles are at home. Eagles are coming off a of bye week. So they've had plenty of time to plan for, uh, for Pittsburgh. Uh, they're playing against Kenny Pickett, uh, who is prone to do some turnovers. And the Eagles have the NFL best turnover ratio. So all of those things do kind of uh, lean towards a, a uh, Eagles win, I think, in this game. The only question for me is, is it going to be by 10 and a half points? And I think in this instance, I'm actually going to go with the Eagles. I think that it just there's so much momentum there. And Kenny Pickett, I like him, uh, but I just don't think he's quite ready to face the Eagles. So, Well, we are once again going to agree on this one because I I have a lot of faith in Mike Tomlin being able to keep his team competitive. And he's he's done that over the years many, many times. I don't think we all grasp how good Philly is right now. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think this will be a, a big indicator of that. You know, Philly can beat this spread and go past this. They really are the the juggernaut that they seem coming out right now. Um, you know, they just, uh, they just made the trade for Robert Quinn, um, which is a, just reloading a defense that's already doing outstanding. So, I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to I'm going to take the chance here, and I'm going to give away the ten and a half and take Philly. All right, and the coin's going to agree with us, and that's a it was a tough call for me because last week I had a lot of a uh, lot of luck with the points, so um, mm-hmm. going to go against go against my luck last week. So we'll see how that works out for me. What What do we got? Number three. Uh, number three, well, speaking of point spreads, we've got the, the Packers at the Bills. Uh, so another mismatch. The, the Packers just have not been, not been playing well. Um, and the Bills have the NFL best defense coming into this thing. So the definite supposed mismatch. Bills are at home. Obviously, so that counts for a couple of points there in, in terms of point spread. Um, the Packers have been prone to start hot, though. So they usually keep the game close for a while, and then you know second half just never goes their way. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and this one, and I'm going to take the points and the Packers. I, I don't expect the Packers to win, but I don't expect them to lose by by eleven and a half. All right. Well, here's where we're going to diverge because I I am a believer in in what Buffalo is putting together. Um, such a high powered offense um, can score at any any time. Um, but at the same token, what you called out, the defense um, really playing exceptionally well. Um, so I'm just not convinced that Aaron Rodgers has the complementary pieces that he needs to pull the Packers out of this spiral right now. Um, so I'm going to take Buffalo with the thought that Sean McDermott will take advantage of some of these problems that Green Bay is having. Um, and really put a, a solid game plan together. So I'm going to take Buffalo. All right. 
And the coin is going to agree with you on this one. So see if that works for you. Okay. Well, I can kind of guess what our fourth game is. Why don't you lay it on me here? This is our, our marquee matchup. So we've got the, got the Bengals at the Browns. And so it's home game for the Browns. Um, but that's not enough to, to make them a favorite. They, uh, they still get an additional three and a half points in terms of the points press. The Bengals are basically three and a half point favorites in this game. Um, interestingly enough, though, in this matchup, the Bengals coming into town, they've lost the last four games to the Browns. So, you know, they've had a hard time against the Browns. Uh, Joe Burrow has definitely had a hard time versus the Browns. Um, but, I, you know, this is a different Browns team, I think, than they faced the last couple of times. We've, we've allowed a lot of yards. We've allowed a lot on the ground as well as through the air. And, I, you know, again, I just have not seen the defense show up enough yet that I, I kind of trust them. And I think for the, um, for the first time this year, I'm actually uh, – I hope I'm wrong, but I'm actually going to pick the Bengals here. Uh, in this in this one okay well yeah i've I've been looking at this a lot too um and i will admit the first time i saw that point spread i was i was surprised because i almost expected it to be more for uh cincinnati to be a favorite in this one um i think that you know you could you could argue that all of the browns losses with the exception of um, the New England loss have been close games um, and extremely close games. We have played Cincinnati well in the past, but one of the keys to stopping Cincinnati, I think, is being able to stop their passing attack. Um, the secondary has been our question mark. Um, they, they're coming off a very strong game last week. Um, even though we didn't get the win, uh, secondary did play a lot better. Um, but one of the keys to us beating Cincinnati last year in both matchups was Denzel Ward matched up against Jamar Chase. And as of right now, it looks like Denzel Ward is still going to be in the concussion protocol and not be playing in this game. So that means we are going to be having a platoon of Greg Newsom and Martin Emerson out there. Um, and I don't know, uh, the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is just flat out electric. So I, I honestly think that, um, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week after mm -hmm. this game. Um, and I am not feeling this one again. Um, I wanted to be wrong last week and unfortunately I was right. Um, you know, on this one, uh, I'm also, I, I think I got to go with Cincinnati in this one. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I really want the Browns to win, but I also think that the bright light of Monday night um, also makes it tough for them as well. So, um, And the coin is going to go with uh, Cincinnati as well. So that makes all three of okay. us going that way. All right. So not a whole lot of variation, not a lot of ground that can be made up in here, but some really big news in our results so far. With your great week last week, you have pulled to 500. So yeah. Gary comes in at 18 and 18. Um, the coin uh, is behind him at 15 and 21. Um, and while I didn't fall back, I didn't really make up any ground. I'm at 13 and 23. So um, still a long way to go. Hard to believe that we're only going into week eight. Um, but at the same token, some really cool games, uh, some, a lot to see, and hopefully, um, you know, a lot of crow for you and I to eat next week, uh, when we're Sorry. talking about the Browns game. So, um, so, Hey, thanks. Thanks for taking out some time. I know you're a very busy guy right now. I appreciate you getting in, uh, getting some picks with us. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah. Hey, I enjoy the heck out of this and I'm looking forward to talking more next week as well. All right. Take it easy, Gary. Thank you again, Gary, for another riveting segment of picks. Um, hopefully we continue to just have some fun with that segment um, and we see some of our predictions come to fruition. Um, but here we are now. We're going to come back and we really want to sit and look and dive into what we think is going to happen with this Cincinnati Browns matchup. And as, as customary, I always yield the floor to my co-host first. So Sean, please tell me what you see coming out of this game. Well, while you were doing the pick segment with Gary, I, I wrote 
a haiku, and I'm calling it the running back's lament. I helped the team win. Why am I on the sideline? Let me run the ball. That sums it up in a nutshell. But seriously, uh, the Browns have never lost to Cincinnati in the Kevin Stefanski era. So if there was ever a time for a get-right game, Monday night is it. And I know I am ever the hopeful Browns fan, so I'm going to call Cleveland 21, Cincinnati 20. Wow. So not only are you calling a Browns win, but you, you actually think it'll be relatively low scoring for those two teams. I, I think so. Okay. All right. So I look at this game and I, and I teased it in the last segment. I think that you are going to see a lot about what the overall plan was in Cleveland by how this game proceeds. Um, so if we see a win, obviously everybody will be happy. You'll be carrying that into the bye week. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be talking about, you know, all the mathematics of how we can get back into the division how we're not out of it and how we can get into it and the tough road ahead. We might even be a minor buyer at the trade deadline. If that happens, mm -hmm. if we lose and we do not see changes on this team. So we don't see any firings during the bye week We don't see anybody traded away and we just hold fast. I think that that shows you and tells you what the front office and what the ownership thought this year was going to be. And that's going to be that they knew that they were putting in a wasted year to wait for 2023. And as much as we all hate that, and we hate the idea of another year of miles contract and another year of um, Nick's contract passing by, I, I think that's the only answer is that you have a group that has completely pushed all their chips in for the next year. Um, and are willing to take it and ride it out. Um, I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned if we lose a game and somebody doesn't end up leaving this team in some right. form or fashion. Um, I do think that with when it comes to trades, you have to remember who is available. Um, you have to always have a partner on the other side of those trades. So as much as we might say we don't need Kareem Hunt or you know, there's been a lot of rumors about people asking about Greedy Williams, you got to have someone who's willing to put up put up the picks for him. Right. And, and if no one's going to put up the picks for him, then, you know, does the warm body help you more than the pick will. So um, an interesting situation there, but I think it's just going to be really telling how we come out of this game. You know, I think another key piece to this is I always look when people talk about Kevin Stefanski and they talk about how unhappy they are with how he calls plays or, or how the team is doing. I compare him to Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor is another young offensive-minded coach mm -hmm. calling the offensive plays for Cincinnati, um, follows analytics as well. Um, but this is a coach who was on his absolute last leg. The Cincinnati going into the year before their Super Bowl run were almost dead last in every category. Right. Joe Burrow was hurt. They couldn't do anything. The word, the, the word was that the seat couldn't possibly get hotter for Zach Taylor. Cincinnati holds on. They decide to stay the course. They get everybody healthy, all their pieces in place the way they expect them to be, and they're suddenly threatening for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Zach Taylor, you're not even hearing of, right. of any issues with him going forward. So my question is always going to be, is that what we're seeing? Are we seeing a coach who's just waiting for all of his pieces to be exactly where they're supposed to be so that he can take off? Right. Or are we going to see another big overhaul of this coaching staff team? Oh. And if you think that if you think that you lost a year of Nick and Miles for what's happening right now, we get rid of the whole coaching yeah. staff and bring a whole new one in and see how much time we lose again. Uh, so I am not a fan. You can, we can talk about all the different position coaches, including and up to Joe Woods and all those different guys. Um, you know, you need to shake something up. You need to try a different philosophy. I'm all about it. But I honestly believe that any move that you make that means that you would walk away from Kevin Stefanski is a bad idea. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but we will see how that plays out. So with all that said, 
I, I did a lot of that to stall so I could continue to keep <laughs> thinking about this. Everybody heard my pick in the last segment, and that had a lot to do with the point spread. Um, and like I said, the point spread is super close for this game, which is not exactly what I'm feeling. I honestly, I think we're going to take an L on this one. I, I don't want to say it, but Cincinnati is red hot. Yeah. I'm um, coming into this game. Um, they're not experiencing the injuries that we're having right now. Um, and it's where they're hot in the passing game is where we're weak. Um, and so I have a lot of concerns about how the safeties are going to support the cornerbacks. I think we're going to be without Denzel Ward. I think that that's going to be big. You know, Jamar Chase running around. I love Greg Newsom. I love Martin Emerson. Yeah. Uh, Jamar Chase is another level yeah. of what they've oh, yeah. been playing against. Um, so I am very concerned with that. Um, I am going to see this game. Gosh, I I don't want to say it, but I'm going to see this game as a 31 to 17 Cincinnati win. I really think that we we're coming to a crossroads here, people. And, and I think that as I've mentioned in other times and, and in other places, um, we are a two and five team. Yeah. You know, we, we may think in the back of our minds that we should be something different, but we're not, and we're not showing that and we're not showing that chemistry and we're not showing those pieces. So I don't see Cincinnati as a team that you get right on, you know, with that said, I'll give the caveat just like I always do. I would love, love for you all to come on here when I have you guys together next week and just completely rib me for making this pick <laughs> and for not having faith in the team. And I will take it on the chin. I'll drink an extra shot. I'll do whatever. But I honestly, I think that this is this is a big ask. If If they can pull it off, if the Browns can pull it off, though, I will say that it is a ginormous momentum booster yeah if you can oh, yeah. take it to cincinnati on monday night football when you are on the ropes and pull yourself out of this that should be the momentum that you need to get yourself through the rest of the beginning of this season mm -hmm. and into what what you think that you might get with watson coming back to the team right so um, a lot at play, a lot going on. I'm going to be watching this one. Uh, I'm going to be nervous. Um, I hate Monday night games because, man, they, they're on so late. Yep. And then if they don't work out the way you want them to, gosh, it's, it's just so not enough time to sleep it off. <laughs> like, it's just not. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that at all. So, obviously, this is the biggest game of the weekend. The second biggest game of the weekend is you and me, my friend, in fantasy. Oh, are we playing? Oh, yeah. Are we playing each other? Yeah. I don't know about that. I'm having a <laughs> – uh, my my guys are getting healthy, so I'm actually starting to put up some points. But yeah, I, 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 much like the Browns, I dug myself a pretty decent hole to start yeah. the season. So I don't know how, how quickly I'll be able to get out of it. <laughs> That's the worst, though, man. We have these, these horrible – WTF Browns Mondays, mm -hmm. or in this case, what might possibly be a Tuesday. And yeah. then I look at all my fantasy teams, and if they didn't do well, right. man, I call it. I call it the first weekend. weekend. Ohio State wins, Notre Dame wins, Browns win, and my fantasy team wins. And I can yeah, only that's, ever get that's the that's the holy two grail. out of four at best usually. <laughs> yeah, that's the holy grail. And and like true Browns fans, I only need one of those pieces to happen. <laughs> A Browns win, and I can get over the rest of it. Right. Um, so, all right. Well, Sean, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, a little bit to teaser out to everybody. So next week, we are going to be going into the bye week. We are going to have a special episode. Um, we are going to get some of these guys together, whether we're going to all be together on a Zoom or we're going to be in room. But we're going to talk about the season at the bye week. Um, so even though we don't have a game coming up, we're going to kind of talk about where we are. Some of these key ideas that we've been kicking around, what are the Browns going to do? What do we have any momentum? Are we packing it in for the season? Those are going to be things that we discuss. We're going to have a little bit more of a round table with everybody just chatting because we don't have a game to predict, um, that we need to be concerned with. So, um, I know that we're going to have, uh, Chris 
and we're going to have Sean on that. Um, we are hoping for the mysterious Gary Marr to join us as well. So hopefully we will have lots of voices on the call and we'll be working through that. So if you want to get a chance to hear everybody just kind of um, gab as if we're sitting right at the bar doing it, make sure you tune in next week um, for our bi-week episode. Um, but for everybody with cardiology who helps out, Sean, thank you again for joining us as always. Um, everybody who's out there, um, who's listening to us, who's giving us feedback, we really appreciate it. So check us out um, wherever you hear your podcast, wherever you like to hear um, crazy people talk about the Browns, you can find us. Um, so for Sean, for me, for everybody, let's, let's pull it together. Let's, let's prove Mark wrong. Let's get this right. win. So everybody let's go Browns. Go Browns.